I know that we've had a lot of rough episodes lately and, um, you know, I could have maybe skipped this one or pushed it farther down the line, but, uh, you know what, it's probably best to just rip the bandaid off and get this one out of the way. Uh, this is going to be a rough episode, but you know, not everything can be unicorns and rainbows. It's our weird world. Our weird world. Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and uh, this week we are looking at the story of Gertrude Banaszewski. Um, just, it's like it's going to be a rough story. I go ahead and tell you that right now. Um, the story takes place in Indiana, which is um, surprisingly underrated. Um, you know, just for all of the crazy stories that come out of there. Uh, there are just a couple of really brutal stories and then just some weird, uh, you know, events that have happened there throughout history. Uh, but no one really talks about it because Florida and California, basically. Um, but this is, uh, like I said, this is going to be a rough episode. Probably not as rough as the David Parker Ray episode because um, that one sets the bar pretty high. But uh, yeah, not not for the faint of heart, this one. So uh, let's dive in. Gertrude Banaszewski was born on September 19th, 1928 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, but like most Midwestern girls, uh, when the 1940s came around, Gertrude dropped out of school in order to get married. Uh, she was 16 at the time. And uh, I mean, really, you know, if you're not going to go to college, you know, if you if because you're a woman in the 1940s and your you know career path is just housewife, why bother with school? Uh, especially if you already got a man ready to marry you. Um Unfortunately for Gertrude, she was constantly beaten by her husband. Um, and then eventually, though, after four children with that guy and 10 years of marriage, she ended up getting divorced. Uh, Gertrude's second marriage, uh, this time to a man named Edward, Edward Guthrie, only lasted three months. Um, when she ended that marriage, she actually went back to her original husband, had two more kids with him, and then divorced him again in 1963. Uh, shortly after the third divorce, she began a relationship with a, an abusive 22-year-old, uh, which, you know, if you do the math on that, uh, she is significantly older. I don't know what, let's see, 63 minus 28. I'm really bad at math because I'm an English major. That was 5, 35, 35 years old. So, you know, 13, 14, you know, 12, 13 years older um, than him. Anyway, uh, and she had another kid with uh, with this guy. Anyway. Uh, so needless to say, like life for Gertrude is going great. Um, the, uh, the 22 year old shortly after she had her seventh child abandoned her and she was left alone trying to raise these seven kids by herself. Uh, she tried to file for child support for the youngest child, but you know, the father could barely make the payments. So, you know, in order to provide for this gaggle of children, Gertrude took whatever job she could find, but could really never get anything stable. Um, by 1965, she was just this rough looking 100 pound, just chain smoking bag of asthma, just bitter about three failed marriages and just burned out from having to take care of all these kids. And, um, that's, that's kind of what leads up to what's about to happen. Um, 
That year in 1965, Gertrude agreed to take $20 per week to watch Sylvia Likens and her sister Jenny. Uh, The two girls' parents were carnies and they needed to be on the road in order to make money, but they also needed someone to watch their kids. So, you know, the the Likens started paying Gertrude. But when the first, when the very first $20 payment showed up late, Gertrude grabbed the paddle and just began beating Sylvia and Jenny as if, you know, the, the money not showing up was their fault. Um, and for whatever reason, Gertrude ended up enjoying beating Sylvia more. And she started accusing Sylvia of things just to have an excuse to whip out the paddle and beat her, whether it was stealing candy or having a boyfriend, because Gertrude was a scorned woman and just hated everything about men. And so, you know, if, you know, she couldn't be loved, then one of her children or the children that she was taking care of absolutely could not be loved. Um, When Gertrude's 17-year-old daughter Paula got pregnant, Gertrude uh, took her shame and anger out on Sylvia by just punting Sylvia right between the legs. Um, Gertrude actually enjoyed that a lot uh, and began allowing her other six children to take their teenage hormonal frustrations out on Sylvia as well. Uh, Her kids took turns pushing Sylvia down the stairs because they didn't really understand how slapstick comedy worked. Um, they also force fed Sylvia hot dogs. And then when Sylvia threw them up, they actually forced her to eat her own vomit. Um, like it's, it's getting bad real quick. Um, I have not yet figured out a way to ease into the horror (laughs) of these stories. I just, I just dive right into it. Just rip the bandaid off. Um, Life outside of the home wasn't great for Sylvia either. Uh, After she was accused of spreading rumors throughout the local high school that two of Gertrude's daughters were prostitutes, uh, one of uh, the girl's boyfriends actually started beating up Sylvia. And Gertrude thought this was great and began actually inviting other boys in the neighborhood to come over to the house to use Sylvia as their own personal punching bag. And Gertrude didn't just look the other way. She actively encouraged it. Um, over the next three months, Sylvia was starved, tied up, used as a practice dummy for judo moves. She was clawed, burned with lit cigarettes and boiling water, and clubbed with dishes, bottles, and cans, just really any blunt object that they could get their hands on. Um, one of Gertrude's daughters hit Sylvia so hard that she broke her own wrist. Um, and then when she had a wrist in a cast, she used the hard cast to beat Sylvia even more. Uh, Gertrude even started forcing Jenny to beat up on her own sister. Um, because of all the beating, Sylvia eventually became incontinent, which is really what tends to happen when you're in constant fear of your life. And because of that, Gertrude kept Sylvia locked in naked in the basement full time, even going so far as to like remove her from school. And I guess, you know, I don't know why, like no one in the school, like no school administrator, like even did anything about it. Just like, oh, okay, Sylvia's gone. All right, fine, whatever. Um, Gertrude and her son, John, uh, then went on to make Sylvia eat her own feces, uh, as well as the diaper contents of Gertrude's youngest son. But that even that wasn't enough. All right, it, it, it actually gets worse, you guys, believe it or not. Uh, Gertrude started charging admission to see the neighborhood kids uh, come and like watch her beat Sylvia. And the neighborhood boys who were already deranged were happy to pay you know whatever she was charging um gertrude ended up creating an entire show out of it and 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 running this entire program where she would go through a whole routine where she would beat burn and mutilate sylvia's naked body in front of whoever paid to see it 
Uh, on October 22nd that year, Sylvia was taken from the basement to sleep upstairs with the rest of the children. But because she had lost the ability to control her bodily functions, Sylvia wet the bed, which was the one thing Gertrude commanded her not to do. And as punishment, uh, Gertrude forced Sylvia to shove a soda bottle right up her hoo-ha in front of the other kids. Sure. All right. That's that's reasonable. Um, she then, uh, Gertrude then took a heated needle and carved, I'm a prostitute and proud of it, across Sylvia's abdomen. And after carving the message, Gertrude taunted Sylvia by saying she would never get married and and ask what she was going to do about it because no man was ever going to love her with, you know, I'm a prostitute, like scratched into her skin. Uh, And, and, you know, when when Gertrude was kind of taunting her and and asking Sylvia what she was going to do about it, Gertrude just or Sylvia just kind of whispered, I guess there's nothing I can do. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was that was right in the feels. I I nailed that. Um, anyway, uh, at that point though, Gertrude kind of started to realize that maybe she had gone a little too far in all of this. Um, but rather than make things right by turning herself in, Gertrude began forming a plan to frame the abuse on the group of neighborhood boys who had beaten Sylvia after she had agreed to have sex with all of them. That never happened, but that was the lie that Gertrude, you know, kind of concocted in her head. Um, you know, because, you know, at this point, Gertrude had lost control of all reality and just kind of automatically believed whatever lies her brain would come up with about Sylvia. Um, after one more round of beating, Gertrude, and this was the plan. So after one more round of beating, Gertrude would then have her son take Sylvia out to a nearby forest and just kind of leave her there to die, which is nuts. Um, so three days later, um, Sylvia actually tried to escape the house when she overheard Gertrude start to put this plan into place. Um, in Sylvia's mind, she sprinted right for the door and, you know, like Forrest Gump when the, you know, the shackles or the braces came off his legs, just sprinting toward the door. In reality, she just was just kind of slowly hobbling and limping and, you know, Gertrude, who was as healthy as any 37-year-old chain smoker could be, easily caught Sylvia and violently threw her back down into the basement. And she then went back down to, she went down to the basement with Sylvia, grabbed a curtain rod, and beat Sylvia into unconsciousness. Uh, when Sylvia finally came to, her speech was slurred and her limbs didn't work like they were supposed to. She tried to escape again by climbing out of the basement window, but Gertrude saw her and walked over and stomped on her head with her shoe. Um... The next morning, Sylvia was found dead of a brain hemorrhage, shock, and severe malnutrition. And uh, she, at this point, was only 16 years old and had basically spent the last few months of her life being beaten and tortured to death. Um, Gertrude immediately called the police to have them come and take care of the body and handed them a letter that she had forced Sylvia to write that she thought would kind of clear her of any suspicion and wrongdoing in the death, which, you know, weird and it's like hey why is this girl beaten to death in your basement boys it's okay here's the letter this this will explain everything she's very she's a very sick girl okay sir nice voice um but it doesn't explain why like why why does she have scratches all over why is there a why is there a light bulb inside of her butt i i'm telling you the girl she had a very troubled life. The neighborhood boys, they were just so mean to her. They would come over and beat her. I think, I don't know, I was never there. What's all this petty cash lying around? I, I collect cans and take them down to the recycling center. 
and they and and I just keep the change. You never know when you're gonna need it. It's a rainy day fund, you know. Uh huh. Sure. Okay. Um, whatever. We'll just take the body out. We'll come back if we have any questions. <laughs> anyway, I wasn't planning to do that, but I, I, that's that's I love that voice though. Um, as one of the on, on the as the police officers were walking out of the house, though, Jenny uh, grabbed one of the officers and said, "Get me out of here, and I will tell you everything." Um, and that's exactly what happened. The police took Jenny from the house and learned about everything that Gertrude had done. Um, she was arrested, sent to trial, and you know, as you might expect, this got a ton of attention. Um, Gertrude initially pleaded insanity and reasoned that her depression caused her to lose control of her children. Uh, the jury didn't care at all, and uh, she was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Uh, Gertrude's daughter, Paula, was also convicted. Uh, she got a second-degree murder charge and was given a life sentence. Uh, three other men involved in the abuse were convict- convicted of manslaughter and given sentences of up to 21 years, but those three men were uh, set free on parole after just two years. Um, because Indiana is just apparently a really dumb place, both Paula and Gertrude were granted retrials on the grounds that the media attention that they uh had received was just too mean and too harsh to both of them during the original one you know which was like oh the media painted you out to be a brutal abusive pile of crap and that was too mean yeah let's give you a retrial it's fine that we agree like you're not you're not terrible sure yeah did you make a teenage girl you know practically molest herself with a glass bottle yeah but we get it. Like, <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. Why? Like, that's the media shouldn't call you names and tell the truth about you. We'll give you a retrial. Um, so at the retrial, Paula actually ended up pleading guilty to a lesser sentence. She was convicted of voluntary manslaughter this time and only ended up serving a year in prison for the entire thing. Uh, Gertrude, however, in a shocking turn of events, was reconvicted of the first degree murder charge and was given, you know, and, and kept the life sentence. Uh, for the next 14 years, Gertrude worked in the prison, in the in the prison sewing shop, and actually became a motherly figure for the other inmates. Um, and after 14 years, Indiana, the Indiana justice system apparently forgot how horrible Gertrude was and actually put her up for parole. Uh, and despite the public collecting over 40,000 signatures in support of Gertrude rotting in prison forever, she was actually granted parole and released on December 4th, 1985. Um Upon her release, she actually ended up looking like every old lady teacher you had in elementary school that you just couldn't stand. Just like the one angry, just bitter, evil-looking elementary teacher that scared you and was just mean to you. I think we all had that that one teacher. Um, you know, her her eyes and cheeks were just really sunken in. Her eyebrows were drawn on. She had that classic old lady perm. Um, you know, her, her mouth was literally curved down in a frown. Um, but you know, she was free and that's all that matters because you know, you can abuse the hell out of someone and just serve 14 years in prison for it. Um, Gertrude immediately left Indiana, rightfully so, and and moved to Iowa to live in obscurity, which is exactly where you go. Uh, She changed her name to Nadine Van Fossen, which was her middle and maiden names, uh, and she ended up dying four years later of lung cancer. So, yay. Um, The house where Sylvia was beaten remained vacant for decades after the murder. Um, Activists made several attempts to turn it into a women's shelter, which, you know, 
I don't know about that move. You know, let's take let's take a place where a woman was beaten and throw a bunch of beaten women into it. That's not going to be, you know, psychologically triggering at all. Um, no one was ever never able to raise enough money for renovations because everyone obviously realized how dumb of an idea that was. Uh, eventually, the house uh, on April 23rd, 2009, the house was eventually bulldozed and turned into a church parking lot. And that is the end of our story. So there you go. Uh, we got through that one. Um, I don't know. I, for some reason, that story just has always bothered me a lot more than some of the others. I, I don't know why. Um, I mean, I guess at some point it's just like enough is enough, right? Like, okay, cool. You're going to beat somebody up a few times. I get it. That's your thing. But then to just keep doing it until they like lose all their ability to control their bodily function. It's like, it's like the story of Junko Furuta back in Japanese July. It's just like, why, why do you keep going? And then, you know, uh, just her not staying in prison for life and all that's just ridiculous. So uh, let's, uh, let's see what we learned today. What did we learn? And number one, I, I don't care how much you like UFC. Uh, if someone says, hey, I'm putting on a show for a dollar where you can watch me beat the hell out of this little kid, don't go. Don't pay. You know, don't and don't actively encourage that. You know, it's probably not great. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, number two, um, if you're a carny, don't pay random people to watch your kids. Go through a full vetting process or take them on the road with you. You know, if I mean, look, honestly, if you're if you're a carny, your kids are going to grow up pretty messed up anyway, if we're being honest. So just, you know, just take them with you. Yeah. Uh, and number three, Indiana sucks as a state, really as a whole. I drove through there once. There's not a lot to look at. Indianapolis looks like a nice city. Otherwise, it's a it's just a terrible state. There's a bunch of weird people that live there. And, uh, you know, it's if it wasn't for Florida and California, I think Indiana would kind of be like one of the considered the worst place in America. Next week on Our Weird World, we're going to have fun, I promise, this time. We're going to look at several stories from uh, early Christian popes. These guys were a hoot and a half, all right? We're going to look at the papal pornocracy. Get ready for that one. Uh, we're also going to look at the stories of Popes Innocent VIII, Alexander VI, and uh, Julius III. Uh, great stories. You're going to love them. They're not horrifying in the least, it's going to be a great break from all of the sadness that we've been dealing with over the past several months. So uh, thank you all for listening. Again, make sure you tell all your friends. Seriously, like tell people how great this show is because it's pretty great. All right. Thanks. All right. Keep it weird. Keep it weird.